Hello, and welcome to The Breathwork Club, a podcast designed to help you connect with your breathing. My name is Brian Malone, and thank you very much for listening. In this episode, I had the pleasure and privilege to have a chat with Claire Walsh, the freediver and breathwork teacher. Claire's a really awesome person. She was the first to represent Ireland at the Freediving World Championships. She has broken national records. She can hold her breath for just under six minutes, and her record depth in freediving is 60 meters down and back on just one breath. When I listen back to this conversation, I realised me and Claire didn't really speak too much about her achievements in freediving, but she has appeared on other podcasts which you can easily find, where she goes into a little bit more detail on that. What we did speak about was her background, her approach to breathwork, and in particular, her focus on mindset. Claire also spoke about her experience of contacting COVID-19, which is something I'm really grateful to her for sharing. I'm a huge fan of Claire's. I really loved having this conversation with her and to get to know her a little bit better. And I think you'll find a lot of value in listening. And so without further ado, here's my conversation with Claire. All right. So first of all, Claire, I want to say a really big thank you for taking the time out to have this conversation. I really do appreciate it. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. Look, it's... There's frost on the car this morning, <laughs> there's sudden now, who knows what'll happen this afternoon. It's an adventure, weather in May. Where are you based at the moment, actually? I'm out in Bray. Bray, okay, so you're getting that kind of crazy Dublin weather at the moment. Gosh, it's insane. Full on frost this morning. Actually, where I am, so I'm, I'm in town and it's like glorious sunshine. And yesterday was hail and like, yes, <laughs> in May, it's weird. Um, so listen, I'm I'm really excited to have this chat with you for a few reasons. One, I think the work that you do is amazing and, and really important. Um, but also, I think what you do is just like really fucking cool. <laughs> like I'm a I'm a huge fan. I know you've had quite an interesting journey to get to where you are today, which kind of takes in acting and performance and puppeteering and everything, all of this sort of stuff. So. I would love if you wouldn't mind in as much or as little detail as you'd care to go into, kind of take us through maybe the, the landmark events in your life that, that brought you to where you are today. Landmark events, it's a good way of putting it. Um, well, do, 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 do. always had an interest in drama. And after school, I was lucky enough to have parents that supported me to pursue that, <laughs> and whilst a lot of my friends didn't. So I went and I did... Um, a course in Rath Minds, DIT Rath Minds on performance. Um, after that, I studied movement in London, an MA in movement. So kind of, you know, I was in theatre. I loved theatre, particularly musical theatre, but I didn't study that. So that would have been my, you know, my academic, academic background. Um, how I got into puppetry was quite a random one, and that's that's a really big landmark event. And um, as you might call it, I was walking to, I was 
work with myself as teaching uh, drama or singing, I can't remember which at the time. And I was walking to my car after class and one of the other teachers walked into theirs. I mean, what are you doing these days? And um, yeah, working, she was working in Lambert Puppet Theatre. I was like, oh, wait, is that still there? I went to that as a kid. She said, yeah, yeah, it's going strong. I was like, brilliant. Got into her cars, went her separate way. Um, about, it's probably about a year later, I got a phone call from this number. You know, no one has phone calls from, from numbers they don't know anymore. Um, and when I rang her back, it was that girl, Laura is her name. She wanted to know if I'd be interested in trying out for a role there. Um, and I usually have the attitude, oh, sure, look, I'll be a good girl. Uh, and that's what I did. And I was taken on to do one show. And then I kind of refused to leave. It, 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 <laughs> they were doing the Christmas, coming up to doing the Christmas show and I really wanted to be in it. So, um, yeah, I just kind of didn't leave and was there for years. Um, and puppetry is, you know, everyone, when I tell people that I've worked as puppeteer, everyone makes the kind of the soft puppet hand gesture. Um, but it taught me so, so much and about de discipline, about how we use our bodies, about breath, about where voice comes from. It was really incredible. Kind of took all the little bits that I had learned through my BA and master's in London and slotted it together in puppets of all places. So that's something that I was kind of doing for years. And alongside that, I was singing, I was teaching a choir, um, a fantastic gospel choir in Leakslip, where I'm from. So my mum was in it, and loads of pals in it. I was the youngest there, and it was just such amazing crack. So I was kind of doing those things side by side. So singing and puppetry. And then I went traveling and I found freediving. So freediving is the sport where you hold your breath underwater. And I think up until that point, I was always somewhat embarrassed by my CV. And it was really eclectic. You know, oh, I teach movement, I movement direct. You know, I teach drama. Um, I was a CrossFit trainer at one point. Um, puppetry, it just sounded so all over the shop. But for me, there was a through line, but I could never put my finger on what it was. And it wasn't until I started freediving, I realized it was breath, 100%. It's at the foundation of every single movement and all the art forms I was doing, it all comes down to breath. And here was this whole sport um, based around breathing and not breathing. And it, it rocked my world. There's no other way to put it. It rocked my world. That's amazing. Um, do you mind me asking the movement that you studied and teach, what type of movement or yeah, it's, it's a funny one. It was a course that was in its infancy when I did it. It was the second year. Um, so it was, it was movement for acting. So there was five or six people on my course and we all had hugely different backgrounds. So some of us had trained as actors, some, some of them were dancers, and there was a, a yoga instructor. So for me, I was interested in the anatomical side of things and building articulation in the body then how you might use that for um, theatre. So for example, of jobs that would come out of that, a lot of intimacy coordinators um, would have done that course, or a lot of intimacy coordinators have come from that course, particularly in London. Um, I don't know how much I use it now. Um, I kind of let that practice go a little bit, but it, it informs kind of 
as well as what I'm doing with breathing and an understanding of how the body works and also how people react to being taught about their body, which is something we don't really take into account. It's so personal. And um, breath, voice, body, you know, we hold so much of our history, we hold our experience, our beliefs there. So teaching someone to do something a little bit differently with that can be quite emotive or can bring on quite a big reaction. So that's something that I've taken forward from that course. Yeah, that sounds incredibly valuable. Um, and so, yeah, the free diving. So one of the ways I've heard free diving described is yoga in water <laughs> because it is a very an unavoidable i guess meeting of body and mind so yeah so i was wondering if you wouldn't mind maybe talking through your first experiences with free diving maybe some of the challenges you faced at the beginning or some of the big obstacles you overcame through your through i would say studying what i would consider almost like an art form yeah it is it's, it's a mixture of all sorts of things um my my first session free diving i have so it was 2015 so kind of glimpses of it um in my memory but what i do remember about that time was it was recommended to me that i start in mindfulness um <laughs> and i didn't want it you know that was the reason why i needed to do it do it i was busy you know and um, Bridging thoughts, kind of was always on the go, and I was looking forward to the next project or reminiscing or ruminating on what had happened and so on. So, you know, this idea of being just in the present moment, observing what was happening without judgment. Ugh, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so suddenly I found this sport and I didn't realize, you know, I was conned into doing it until later. Um, so freediving, that's exactly what you have to do. You have to stay in that moment. The minute you begin to think about what might happen, so whether you'll reach your target depth or, you know, what happens being underwater, holding your breath, game over. Your body just goes, not today, pal. Sorry, we're not going to let you go there. So that way, you know, I was kind of disgusted. It's like, no, usually I was, I'm a go, go, go mentality and pushing and pushing and pushing and you know, riding the last bit of your energy until you're burned out. That's not how freediving works. Um, so it was, <laughs> it was a harsh lesson at the beginning. Um, but I was, hooked, I was hooked from the start. I did my first course and then my second course straight in. And I was due to move on um, to maybe another country at the time. Um, and I stayed and I did as much as I can. And it wasn't until... I started coming back to it that I realized you know, the other side of it, so the other side of that connection between body and mind and actually having to reconcile the two for it to work properly. So I used to, I used to swim competitively as a kid. And actually at the time, I really didn't like it. When I look back on it, it's, a, it's an experience that I really value for a whole lot of reasons. I like, it taught me a lot about discipline. It's a competitive swimming. You're kind of up at like half five nearly every morning to go out and train for hours and then go to school, come home, go train again. But also in hindsight, and I don't know if maybe this is me in the present moment romanticizing my past, but I think one of the things that swimming, maybe more so than other sports, again, kind of forces you to connect to is your breathing. Because you're going through periods when you're swimming, when you physically can't breathe because you're underwater 
And I think when people maybe think of breath work, let's say, we might think of breathing more, whereas freediving is kind of the opposite. So it's breathing less or very intentional <laughs> holding your breath. So would you mind taking us through so that maybe the, the, the foundations of breathing as it relates to freediving? So I've been, I actually did the early morning <clears throat> swimming training as well. Um, so it was something I was familiar with and you know, that constant smell of chlorine um, all the time. Um, but it, you're right, it did. It, it taught me so much, again, the same about breathing and the rhythm of breathing. That, that's something that I really, it's like it's um, an audio anchor. So the inhale, the gas, you lift your arms from crawl and freestyle, and then um, the exhaling and building a control over a long exhale, kind of the fundamental part of most uh, breath support systems and um, whether for singing or whatever and um, so yeah I've been doing that from an early age too um so for free diving free diving I think obviously the whole thing is you hold your breath but it makes you so much more aware of how you're breathing so uh, just before you dive you do it's called a breather and in your breathe up it can take three minutes to five minutes depending on how much time you have in the water so if I um, have a dive at 10 o'clock, so 10 o'clock would be my official top, is what it's called. I would be in the water by now, so quarter to 10. I would know that my official breathe up would start at about five to or three minutes to, but until then, what I'm doing is lying in the water, whether face up or face down with the snorkel, so I'm breathing, and I am focusing so hard on letting external uh, distractions go, focusing in on my breathing, deepening my breathing, and letting it do its job, letting it do the things it does. For example, lower my heart rate, air quieting my thoughts, switch into rest and digest. So all the good stuff that comes with a deep diaphragmatic breathing. So that's it's a huge part of any preparation for a dive. So it, it's so funny, you know, not breathing, teaches you so much more about how to breathe and obviously that skill set so just the diaphragmatic breathing isn't something that's um, just specific to free diving I use it all the time and I'm, I'm pointing around to the apartment that I've been in essentially for 14 months now um, so you know it's something that I do try to do on a daily basis I utilize um, when I need it when things are stressful because just breaks things down a little bit and brings you into that calm state yeah it's a, it's really a beautiful image actually thinking of you know someone lying in the water preparing them for you know as you're saying free diving is really more of a, a a practice of being calm rather than pushing through but i'm sure it's it's a challenge uh, and that idea of someone just kind of calming and down regulating before they go through it and basically meditating from from the sounds of it but meditating with a kind of a very specific purpose in mind but i can really see how that experience that practice would so easily spill over into your you know your your, your day-to-day life everything that you do um so i i have a friend who's a free diver and last year i got him to teach me a little bit of the the techniques of the breathe up 
yeah, he's taking me through it. It's um, I've done, I've done some breath holding stuff with the with the Wim Hof method, um, and I'm sure quite a few people listening might have practiced that before. But what I was surprised is the breathe up method and then the breath holding in free diving is actually very different. In the Wim Hof method, I suppose it's almost a, a controlled form of hyperventilation, taking these very big breaths in, massive exhales. It's very energizing. Whereas the breathe up, I found at least with with the free diving, is actually called calming. And there's a nice, I liked the rhythm to it because you kind of take a few more active breaths and then you take these very passive breaths and make these more active breaths and very passive breaths. Okay. And ear here, just as you say, rhythm, because that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's a it's a really beautiful practice. Um, and then, but what I found with the free dive or the breathe up breath retentions, more so than the Wim Hof method for whatever reason, is when I was holding my breath, I really felt the contractions of the diaphragm. <laughs> um, I really felt the my body trying to make me breathe. And I guess one of the most interesting things I find with breath holding as a practice is how oftentimes the desire to breathe isn't necessarily that you need to breathe. And that it is very much uh, the way my friend described it as it becomes mind over matter. But I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to put it. It's more so mind and matter communicating a bit more uh, mindfully, maybe. You've hit on so many things there. So the first one being Wim Hof. And it, it's a really funny one, particularly in Ireland, there's been, um, I think, a resurgence of popularity in Wim Hof. And there's you know, terrific practitioners out there. And Neela Burke, who's the first one that comes to mind. And I think anything that brings an awareness to breath for healthy living is terrific. As a freediver, kind of, officially, I have to be against Wim Hof. No, I have nothing against it. But what I do find is a lot of people um, experience Wim Hof and hear breath hold and then translate it to freediving. So hyperventilation is the, one of the biggest no-nos. There's two rules in, two main rules in freediving. The first one is never dive alone. And the second one is don't hyperventilate. It is the quickest way to blacking out in water. So it's kind of not to confuse people. I think, no, I don't do Wim Hof. Nothing against it. I've kind of, I'm starting to learn about it um, a little bit more, actually. Um, it, it's a totally different way of doing things. Some of the practices I use for uh, lung stretches are hyper hyperventilation. Uh, for example, the Kapalabhati practice from Pranayama. It's something that's you know, a daily practice when I'm training but it's never something that we do in water. And it's just, it's unfortunate. Um, some people make those massive jumps between, oh, breath hold, it's kind of, it's not like free diving is. I'll just transfer that directly into water. And that's when accidents or fatalities have occurred. Um, so that's, that's always something that's I get asked about quite a bit. Um, and you have to come like down quite hard on Wim Hofers, although there's nothing wrong with it, obviously. Um, but yeah, the, the, the aim of the freediving breathe up is, is that absolute slowdown. Um, mind over matter? Yes. Um, so when you, when you hold your breath, um, 
that urge to breathe that we get. So if I pulled someone off the street right now, myself and them beside me, so hold your breath from there. At about 35, 40 seconds, they would explode their air. They would just spit it out. They'd feel like they're choking, they're going to die, whatever. Um, and what, you know, a lot of people think is that's me running out of air. That's not you running out of air. What that is, is that first buildup or spike of CO2. So you would normally exhale that, now you're keeping it in. And when we're you know, chatting to beginners, we liken um, O2, so oxygen, like a light switch. It's either on or it's off. Your CO2, um, so those little kind of oh, high CO2, those feelings of discomfort, they're like an alarm clock. And you can hit snooze, and then you can hit snooze again. Then you can hit snooze again. Now, it does come to a point where if you hit snooze, you're going to be really, really late for work. So you have to get up. <laughs> so that's usually time going, right, I need to come up out of the water. So that's, for me, that's the clearest analogy. If you have oxygen, you're conscious. If you don't, you're not. It's very simple. There's no, it's like saying, someone saying, you know, I have a touch of pregnancy. You're either pregnant or you're not. You have oxygen or you don't. CO2, it comes in spikes. So you might feel rising CO2, and so an elevated feeling of discomfort. And then there's, there's a little kind of a mellowing after that. And you'll get another spike and down. And what you're talking there in terms of mind over matter is how you deal with those spikes. So that is such a mental thing. And I know when I do, um, I'm pointing to my yoga mat that's on the floor, I did some just earlier on. Um, when I do things drive and I do dry practices, it's, it always tells me a lot more about how I'm feeling whether I'm stressed, um, whether you know my mind is racing, it tells me a lot more about my mental state than it does my physical state. How I'm able to soften into those feelings of discomfort, um, whether there's different sensations, uh, flushed and feeling your heart, your heartbeat and um, contractions, whatever it is. So how you soften into them very much depends on where you are mentally, for me anyway. Yeah, and it, I think a really interesting, I guess, part of breathwork or an interesting branch of breathwork, let's say, is the concept of breath holding as therapy. Yeah. And I know that Stig Severinsen, who's I'm sure you're aware of him, the freediver who now does a lot of work with people suffering from stuff like PTSD and people recovering from major traumas. And he actually teaches free diving or some of the free diving techniques as as a therapy. And I guess the idea behind it, in my understanding at least, is that holding your breath, particularly when you're not doing it in really deep water, um, but holding your breath kind of gives you a safe space to observe what's coming up when you put yourself under stress because and stress sometimes has a really negative connotation but you know stress doesn't always have to be necessarily negative but holding your breath is a little bit stressful but it gives you this kind of safe space to observe what's coming up for you in that space maybe like what are you holding beyond just your your breathing and the amazing thing i guess is that you are in control to a certain extent because you can breathe in when you absolutely need to breathe in um, and so has that been something that you found in your own practice, your own teaching? You said it better than I can. <laughs> um, like I, I referred to it before as holding your breath. So that space between the inhale and the exhale, it's an opportunity to meet yourself um, at a very honest level. So without a phone, 
in your hand, which is pretty rare these days, or earphones in. I tend not to use music. Um, I use music for everything else, but I tend not to use music when I'm holding my breath, the joy practice. Um, it, 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 it shows us how much we need distractions and how much we rely on distractions for touching base with how we really are. So when I'm doing it here, um, I might put the telly on to kind of listen. Shocker, I won't get past a minute and a half because my mind is kind of grabbing onto other things. So, you know, when I strip away all those exter external distractions, for want of a better word, then, then you have an opportunity to check in. Oh my God, do we resist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we resist that opportunity. And that's when tension comes in. And then you start to hear the excuses that you throw in front of yourself. Oh, I'm being very tense today. And didn't and maybe I had that coffee a little bit too late in the day. Yes, oh, no, not I know I won't try it today. Okay. Now um, I try to apply, and it's a it's a phrase coined by Jim Henson, the puppeteer. And he approached his work with playful curiosity, and it's something that stuck in my head so much. So the idea of playing, I'm sure we'll just see how it goes. So now when I'm feeling that, when I'm, when those excuses come hot and heavy, and they really, really do, I think, okay, well, if that's the case, if I didn't sleep great last night, and if my shoulder is a little bit sore, and um, if my tummy does feel full, what would happen if I kept going? Let's see, let's, let's actually have a bit of explore. So I'm, not, I'm no longer focused on hitting the five, six, whatever minute mark. It's just about kind of exploring the journey um, uh, through it. And some of them have been my best breath holds or my best dives. And it's so much more accepting, so so much more forgiving practice. You know, you kind of make friends with yourself doing that, not beating yourself through it. Come on, grit your teeth, you have to. And you know, these, um, I associate them with, you know, certain types of gyms, you know, pain, no, no gain, no pain, and whatever. It, it just does not work for me. And um, I have to negotiate that discomfort a little, a, a, another way. Yeah, there's a an amazing body worker. I can't I can't think of his name right now. I definitely have one of his books on my shelf, but uh, I guess it's not a nice life. Um, but he, I read one of his books, and there was a bit in it that really jumped out at me, where he said, "As human beings, we have this tendency to really hold ourselves tightly, not just physically, but in the sense of our ideas around ourselves. So you know, I'm busy." or I'm tired, or I'm, you know, whatever it might be. And he says that it's not that these things aren't true, like you, you can be busy for sure, but to explore not holding those ideas so tightly can actually be really therapeutic because it opens, when we hold on to ideas tightly, in essence, what we're doing is we're closing off the space for other possibilities. Mm -hmm. So as you're saying, you're like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's such a beautiful concept, and I, I, I it, it really impacted me a while ago. I, I, when we were, the world was open, and we were able to do lots of things. I went through a period where I was like really busy, and um, anyone, if anyone asked me how I was doing, I was like, I'm busy. Um, and then if something came up, you know, like a friend was like, oh, do you want to go grab a drink, or do you want to go for a swim, whatever it is. 
my instinctive reaction would be, but I'm so busy. How could I possibly go for a, you know, a drink? I'm, I'm, don't you know how busy I am? Um, and just that kind of holding on to that concept of being busy was really just closing off all of these other possibilities that I could have very easily fitted into my life. And I think that slightly um, kind of reflects what you were speaking of there, that the power of developing almost like a playful curiosity around how we frame our experience. And I think through that playfulness, that curiosity, and through maybe not holding on to our ideas of ourselves so tightly, we really can see the potential for new spaces and new possibilities to appear. Listen, if it's okay, I wanted to read you a quote that I came across recently um, and to see how it kind of resonates with you, what, what it kind of like, how, what it brings up for you, basically. So it's from Natalia, I'm probably not pronouncing her second name correctly, <gasps> Natalia Molkanova, yes, yeah. um, a famous freediver. Yeah. And she said that freediving is not a sport. It's a way to understand who we are. When we go down, if we don't think we are whole, we are one with the world. Has that been your experience too? Yes. Uh, and it's actually, it's Natalia week this week um, because it's the week leading up to her birthday. Her birthday is on the 8th of May. Um, so there's lots of her, lots of her quotes and uh, her achievements are kind of circulating on social media. So I, I really love hearing them. <laughs> I really love hearing them. And um, it's 100% the case. Now, Natalia is possibly the best freediver and definitely the best one of the top uh, female freedivers and it's such an incredible way to put it it's can we read it again actually mm. i'd love to i could read this quote all day <laughs> so she said freediving is not a sport mm -hmm. it's a way to understand who we are when we go down if we don't think we are whole we are one with the world mm -hmm. well <laughs> it wouldn't want to free dive. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it it's yeah, kind of that makes me just a tiny bit emotional. Um, I find that very much to be true. Um, you know, we've spoken about you know that idea of having ideas about ourselves, whether that's being busy or um, I'm tired or I'm this or I'm that I'm stressed at the moment, kind of getting locked into that mode and operating essentially just from our heads. Um, intellectualizing everything and actually when we quieten that down and listen to what's going on in our body things sync up a lot more I genuinely believe I'm a nicer person I'm a better person when I'm free diving because each day or two days on one day off I'm in that world and connecting I'm listening and I'm trying to reconcile my body with my head and it just, it has that knock-on effect uh, into kind of the rest of the things you do on land. I love, um, I've noticed you kind of say it a few times, and I love the, the, the difference between life in water and life on land. Or the, <laughs> it's, uh... Yeah, it's a full life under there. And <laughs> it's funny, I've been out of the water. I, I did manage to go away really luckily um from october and my flight was cancelled so i was devastated <laughs> i had to spend a few months out in egypt so i actually got to free dive last year 
was a, such a bonus trip. Yeah. It was actually a really nice way to die because, you know, I had so many other trips have been cancelled and I didn't expect to get away. So I just was so delighted. I was so excited. I was giddy just to be able to do it. Um, whereas normally I'd have ideas of what I want to achieve and, you know, that whole self-talk. I just was giddy. That's kind of the only other word for it. I was giddy. Um, and so I've been out of the water. We came home on December 11th um, and the dreams have started. Mm-hmm. I dream about being on a dream about diving and uh, visualizing dives. So, yeah, it, it's a full world. And it's funny because those dives might only be two minutes uh, three minutes whatever but you can I can picture each detail uh, very vividly it's beautiful if I was to if I was to ask you like what what was your most amazing experience free diving what would be the one that jumps out at you I have an amazing bad and I have an amazing good <laughs> okay <laughs> um I I have an well it is amazing in a way it's not the most pleasant but um it has certainly taught me so much. Um, and I, I competed in the World Championships in 2019. And um, gosh, I used to just say, oh, last September. No, nope, it's now a year and a bit ago. So I competed in the champ- World Championships in 2019. And my first dive, I blacked out. So I lost consciousness. Um, and that dive has taught me so much about free diving, has taught me so much about, again, um, how we use our breath. The big takeaway from that dive um, is this idea of fake it till you make it. That doesn't work for freediving. You can't enforce an idea of relaxation and hope that your body will follow suit. It needs to come from a far more organic place and work its way out. And for me, that organic place is always the breath. So I might be plastering a smile on my face and telling the world I'm relaxed. But it's not until I check in myself or my breathing that I'll find out if that's the case or not. Mm. Um, and that has been huge, actually. So in a way, that was an amazing dive. Mm. Um, but, um, it, yeah, any other amazing experiences? Yeah, there's loads. There's loads. And mm. um, there was, a, if you any time see a turtle underwater that's always a big one for me i love turtles um and there was uh, uh there you go <laughs> yeah, well, they're here to be listening but i've got a turtle tattooed on my um on my wrist the reason why i have this turtle tattooed on my wrist is not just because turtles are like great but when i did my first teacher training with yoga i remember a teacher was talking to us and it always just really stuck with me he said that in in yoga or in certain views around yoga they measure life not in years but in breaths Mm. so if you look at things that tend to breathe quickly they tend to live and not quite so long Mm. whereas if you look at things that breathe slowly uh, (laughs) and they're kind of like tortoises and those 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 bigger kind of versions of turtles they live really long really long kind of key to to a good life is to breathe slowly move slowly that's incredible my turtle is a little reminder to um breathe slowly (laughs) oh that's incredible i didn't realize that i'd heard that before but um, that's cool yeah so seeing a turtle underwater is always good for me um there was one time so i i dive um quite a lot in the blue hole in egypt Mm. uh, so over in sinai um, my, I met my partner there, he's Egyptian, 
So I think the blue hole holds a special place in my heart. Mm. And but one time, a baby hammerhead shark came inside the blue hole, which is quite unusual. And I lost my shit. Um, I was so excited. People got really terrified. I'm like, oh, lost my shit. Came up to the surface, took a breath, and went legging it after it. And um, I was so excited. And I smacked my snorkel back, and my mouth was on the surface. <laughs> my friend said all they could hear is just through the snorkel me going with <laughs> <laughs> with life um, so yeah anytime you see um, kind of marine life it's just so humbling it's so humbling it's such a reminder of what insignificant specks we are it's just gorgeous um, yeah any day in the blue hole is an amazing dive in my book that's amazing and so you have well, I don't know if you'd maybe describe it as a transition, but you've obviously now moved into teaching and speaking on the importance of breathing and breath work. How did you make that little transition? <clears throat> Excuse me. Was that a was that quite a natural a natural thing to move into, or were you kind of pulled into it, or how did that come about? No, it was. It was a natural. It's funny. I'm in I'm in a bit of transition with it at the moment. Um, I'll come to that. But yeah, because I've been doing um teaching singing for years and you know I, I did speech and drama exams when I was a kid and my sisters and I did as well or did as well and we used to learn have to learn what intercostal diaphragmatic breathing was you know as eight years old we'd recite it mm. so it's something that I've always known I haven't always understood but I could definitely explain the mechanics of it um so this, then again whether I'm, I'm taking part in drama or being taught it um you know, breathing was just always a part of it. You know, breath support or, you know, engage your diaphragm. It was just the language I was used to. So it was a natural progression to start putting that together uh, and teaching it. And I suppose kind of similar-ish. I, I won't liken myself to Stig, um, but I am keen to, I suppose, share what I've learned about free diving. Um, and again, puppetry is a big one as well. Puppetry is a really big one, you know, what's how do you make the inanimate come to life you breathe for them so watching where a breath comes from you know it can look like a doll on a stick or it can look like something that's living and the difference invariably will be the breath and then the movement so one comes before the other so like it's really incredible and um, at the moment there's again this whole resurgence around breath work and i i think i have a little bit of a difficulty finding my spot in it so much of it is around nasal breathing and there's some terrific work and um, I've ordered so many books. I'm kind of doing, uh, I won't say it's a study week because it's kind of a study month and I'm just going back to what I know, kind of learning more about what's out there to find my own place within it. My background like that is in um, like old school vocal work, um, uh, puppetry and then free diving. And then I'm reading um, um, Patrick McKeown stuff there's some Dan Brule, uh, his book there. Um, what's that one? Can't see the title. Yeah, so I'm just, I'm trying to, I suppose, find where I sit in. The big difference with the free diving is we breathe through our mouths, mm. which is such a no-no these days. Um, but th there has been a benefit of that. There's a practical element. Um, when you're free diving, you're wearing something on your nose, whether it's a mask or a nose clip. So, so much of my practice is done uh, through my mouth mm. which is 
unusual these days. Mm. Um, and then it's creating awareness to breathe through your nose for the rest of it and so on. Um, but yeah, it, it's always, it's always, um, I suppose, been a natural inclination or, you know, talking about the, the breathing or the mindfulness aspect. The mindset is the big one for me, I think. Mm. Uh, the mindset around breathing and then about free diving. So God love any child or adult that has come to a singing class thinking that they'd be able to sing for hours. No, they have to do breathing crap, as my mother once called it. <laughs> I, read, um, I read a study recently that was talking about, I think this, this, this study was sort of on the benefits of meditation and breath work. Mm. So not necessarily comparing or contrasting the two, but when you meditate, your breathing naturally changes. So the kind of the study was, well, are the benefits that people find from meditation, is it actually coming from the changes in the breathing mm. or is it coming from the meditation? Yeah. I think they did a similar study in terms of breathwork. So a kind of teaching breathwork in a very sort of like mechanical way and then teaching it paired with a mindfulness practice. And so, again, are people getting the benefits from the breathing or from the, the mindfulness? So I think what this study concluded was that actually breathwork without the mindset is actually limited in its benefit and um, it's going to make a difference to you physically for sure to breathe better mm. and intuitively for me i don't see how you could practice breath work without a mindfulness element um but that's a, that's another thing yeah and i agree like i said you know sometimes i try and do it with the tv on that's the equivalent for me it's yeah. it's i want to dip into it but i want to stay kind of on the surface <laughs> so therefore you're not going to get not going to get the full benefits no and so that, that's what the study was saying is that breath work needs to be paired with you know, meditation or mindset, whatever way you want to kind of describe it, in order for it to be truly beneficial. Yeah. Um, so I think that's maybe why your work would be so valuable to kind of bring that element into it. So if you were to, if you were to have a new student or client, uh, teaching them in the in the way that you teach, what do you find is the what do you find is the basics people need to get grips with, and what do you find are the biggest obstacles whether it's physical or mental that people usually need to overcome um so start with physical so like i said i've taught singing for years and i'm thinking of my choir at the moment so with 60 people in front of me and when i asked them to take a deep breath i would see 50 or 60 pairs of shoulders go up and hug their ears and like eyebrows raising and this general look of being terrified so you know and that's my whole thing I call my, my course just to take a deep breath not because it's the, a simple thing but because it's you know it's offered as advice so casually and um, just you know breathe with your diaphragm how do you breathe with your diaphragm you know I'm like trying to wiggle my eyebrows and like it's not something that's instinctive so this kind of casual piece of advice of just take a deep breath, actually, there's quite a bit to it. So that's always my starting point with any new client, whether it's for singing or acting or uh, breath work, relaxation, whatever it is, we look at how to take a deep breath. So that we usually start with um, looking or building awareness of areas of tension. And for me, they're usually so uh, neck, jaw, 
and eyebrows actually um, where we hold our all our attention so if we can focus on just those three things we'll manage to soften a whole lot more and then looking into this idea of when you breathe in the belly goes out and I think particularly for women um that's really contraindicative of what we've learned particularly from you know you know anesthetic or this idea of letting your belly hang out is a really hard one to let go of um so that's that's often quite a big challenge um uh, uh, to do so those are the the key points that we start we start on um the mental side of it is you know and it's it's a far bigger question that can ever be answered in one session but how do we quieten the mind and i love this loads of like little memes of my quiet now is this relaxed oh I'm totally winning at being relaxed. You know, our mind just goes. (laughs) So uh, I just come up with little strategies or ways that I've used to just slow things down. And when you find a thought coming into your head, it's okay. Let it go and continue on as opposed to beating yourself up. Gosh, you know, I'm paying X amount for this session and I can't even relax and, and so on and so on. Like the stories we tell ourselves are incredible. So just beginning to create that and again, this is a free diving thing. It's experiencing the sensation and creating a pause, which allows us to choose how to react to it, as opposed to, oh, that's uncomfortable, I'm going to go back up. So pause, this is uncomfortable. What happens if I try and soften? So just finding a way through that. And that's kind of what we do around mindset as well. Lots of racing thoughts, that's okay. Create that space and let them move on. I I really love that. And again, one of these things how like how applicable that is to every part of our life. Yeah. Is how often are we kind of running on that sort of reactive autopilot and yeah. um, you know, day and you know what's one of the things that I love about something like free diving. Now I sometimes compare it a little bit to or no wouldn't compare it, but I sometimes find similar benefits from like i practice handstands mm. and handstands is one of these things that like it's it's kind of a weird thing to do wouldn't i say call it extreme but it's you know it's 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 physically strange and challenging is how i would put it but the b- biggest benefits i found from from handstanding is not so much the physical benefits of getting stronger and improving my balance but you're kind of forced to really observe how you are participating in this activity you know it's not something again you can kind of do on autopilot yeah which is kind of like difference from day to day with handstanding yeah mentally oh for sure for sure handstanding i would say okay definitely need to be there's certain physical things you need to be able to you need to be able to lift your hands overhead if you can't lift your hands overhead it doesn't matter how mentally strong you are you're not (laughs) (laughs) but but for the most part it's handstand is 90 percent upstairs how you yeah, how you approach it again similar in the sense that you know you kind of have to be a little bit relaxed just sort of and you know i'm not the more i learn about handstands as well the more i realize you know i actually don't know that much <laughs> which uh, probably, probably similar with freediving like from the outside it might actually not look like there's too much to handstanding but when you kind of like really throw yourself into it like wow, there's so much going on but definitely how you're feeling on a certain day will make a huge difference to how you're how you're performing for want of a better word and but again with the free diving i guess you're sort of given 
no choice but to pay attention to this sort of stuff if you want to free dive. And you probably have the choice just to get out of the water, go home, sit in the bar and drink a few beers. But if you actually want to do the free diving, you have no choice but to go through these processes. Yeah. And, you know, a free diving session can be an hour, two hours in the water. But you start preparing when you finish your session from the day before. Okay. So if I get out of the water, okay, fine, I have my food and then I need to rest. And it's not rest lying bed and look at my phone. I need to turn off my phone, turn off the lights and sleep. And then I need to think about what I'm going to eat that evening. Um, and it's quite disciplined in terms, right, it's bedtime, it's eight o'clock. Well, free dives were notoriously boring. <laughs> it's, you know, bed at eight, half eight after a series of stretching, getting up early to stretch. But, you know, so it's, it's so much more than just the session in the water. And, you know, I know all those things are good for me. I find them hard to do it now when I'm here uh, in Ireland and I don't have that dangling carrot of freediving. But freediving makes me want to do it. I want to do everything I can to complement uh, my practice in the water. And it, it's, it's, it's an easy sacrifice because the payback is huge. Actually, popped into my mind, and I'm so bad with names, but just when you were going through the points of relaxation, yeah. There was an Austrian psychotherapist, can't remember his name, but he was a kind of a contemporary of Freud. And he said the space between your eyebrows, he called that the seat of the ego. <laughs> um, and he said that when you kind of get caught up in sort of, you know, a very self-centered uh, narrative, mm-hmm. you furrow your eyebrows. Mm-hmm. And that actually just letting that area relax yeah. is a really simple way to kind of like, Oh man, just let go of that. <laughs> well, it's it's particularly in the last year with Zoom calls when you have to see yourself on the screen and you just realize what your resting face looks like at the time. <laughs> so it does give um a good awareness. But yeah, we're we're all desperate for the old scowling and furrowing. So much tension like in our forehead, you don't even know it. Yeah. And so that's a nice little segue into the the kind of last thing I wanted to talk to you about, and that is the last year. Um, or even a year and a bit now, which has been a, 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 an interesting time for all of us or for most of us. And so what I'm kind of curious about is how your practice, and even maybe in with, with the, I'm not sure how much you've been teaching over the last year, if you've transitioned into much online stuff, but how your practice has supported you over the last year, or how you've also found maybe your teaching supporting the people that you share your work with. And I know you yourself contacted COVID. Mm-hmm. If I'm not wrong. And I want to be really call, uh, careful about how I phrase this because I don't want this to sound like I'm minimizing anybody's experience. But I'm sure as someone who is so aware of your breathing that contacting a respiratory disease must have had a, must have hit differently, let's say. <laughs> yeah, it did. And I think up until so I got my first symptoms on January 2nd and I think up until that point um I won't say that I was casual about contacting like I was very careful and the idea of maybe potentially passing it on to someone you know freaked me out so I was very careful but I did make the decision to travel um, and with that there are inherent risks and um, that's not where I contracted COVID um so anyway January uh, symptoms very unpleasant um, yeah just not nice and I think about on day five um, it was a Tuesday and my breathing felt different 
you run, I ran through this checklist in my head, you know, it's, you know, if you ever hear the word lice or nits, all you want to do is scratch your head. So I was asking myself, is, is, is this, is this it? Is it because you know you've COVID that you're feeling a tightness? So I kind of let it go throughout the day. And then my partner came in to check me and bring me one of the endless cups of tea. Um, and he said, you're breathing funny. I said, I am, aren't I? So we, we timed it, how many breaths per minute? And again, I would know normally what my breaths per minute are. So we timed it and I was breathing a lot quicker, a lot more shallow um, and fast. So by the afternoon, I rang the doctor and he was pretty insistent about just going into the hospital. That sounded so dramatic to me. So I said, no, thank you very much. I'll monitor it. Um, we have a pulse oximeter at home so I could measure my oxygen levels. Um, and then... That was about four o'clock. I had the conversation with him. And by seven o'clock that evening, we called an ambulance. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I had a weight on the left-hand side of my chest. Um, I was very breathless. Um, and the paramedic arrived and I explained. He said, oh, you're still able to talk. I said, yeah, no, I, I am. But this is different for me. So, and it, what was actually terrific is he actually brought me into Vincent's and he explained to the nurse because she mightn't look that bad. However, she does X, Y, and Z. So this is a huge change for her. And what it made me so aware was, you know, I would be very fit, you know, breathing wise. What would this feel like if I was compromised to begin with? It actually scared the shit out of me. And um, it made me so grateful for the different bits of work I've done and then just thinking of others who like that just of asthma or or worse and how that might feel and how scary you know I I was able to do things to kind of slow down I was able to try and not get allow that quick pattern of breathing to accelerate I was able to you know um rein it in a small bit but what if I wasn't that would have been beyond frightening mm -hmm. so I do feel incredibly lucky in that respect um, the downside is I have long COVID um, and that is a pile of shit. <laughs> that is shit. Um, and I've just started uh, chatting to doctors and stuff about it because it's, it's having an impact that's it's impacting my day-to-day -day life. So I spoke to a sports physician last week and he was really curious about breath work. Um, so he said there could be an element um around it because obviously this is so new and they're learning, still learning about it on a daily basis um, but looking at the nervous system so the nervous system being caught being trapped in that fight or flight so he's really encouraged me to do um, my, my dry practice or even if just singing because singing does the same thing um, of trying to you know slow things down deep breathing and then doing uh, little bits of lung stretches and uh, thoracic mobility just to create that openness uh, in, in my chest so that I don't experience that, that tightness as often. And which is really, really interesting to think, you know, breathing might help alleviate the symptoms. I mean, I think if anyone can figure out how to do it, it's you, Claire. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, so I... I Genuine, you got a little bit kind of like teary and emotional hearing you describe that experience. Because again, I think there's 
there's something so intimate about being conscious of our breathing in my experience like I, I have found personally through just being aware of my breath I've become so much more intimate with life in a way and uh, more present more connected and yeah kind of the idea of something being off with that in a way that's sort of you know I don't breathe perfectly every moment of the day, but most of the times I'm not breathing that well. It's kind of my fault, for want of a better word, yeah. to kind of have that compromised by a disease. Yeah. Um, you're, you're dead right. Like I think breathing is the thing that helps us connect and also helps us distance. Um, and, and we choose and sometimes we don't choose, but the, those are the two options. And if you have kind of chosen to actively seek that connection whether it's with yourself or your surroundings or nature water whatever it is if you use breath to center yourself and then don't have that option it just it 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 throws off so much about what you believe or think or feel um it's been quite an uh yeah it's been a, a rough few few months in that respect mm. um and it's funny i <laughs> this is really cheesy but i do full moon swims and each full moon, I kind of try and figure out what do I want to learn for the next month. And what I came up with last Monday, Monday week ago was come back to yourself. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but anyway, it's so come back to yourself. But what I mean by that is come back to my breathing. That's what I know. That's what I trust. You know, and I think we have to kind of build up that little bit of trust between between ourselves. We have a little bit of a fight. So um, we need to just, you know, have a little bit of sit down and a chat. And kind of work on that relationship again well, it's beautiful that you have the you know the tools and the awareness to to do so yeah. and it kind of came up for me a couple of times just during this conversation particularly when you're talking about the puppeteering and mm -hmm. um, i really i really love like hearing you talk about how the puppeteering relates to the breathing and the movement like it's it's so fascinating for sure <laughs> yeah but it's you know that's awesome mm -hmm. and there's a line in the Bible <laughs> that says that when God created man, he breathed life into man's nostrils. Mm -hmm. uh, that there's this idea that breathing animates us yeah. uh, and, and, and how you can bring that into like the puppeteering. And, and I think you can, I can anyways notice people who breathe well are more animated. They're more alive in a way, I think. I can't remember what I was trying to where, where I was going with it. No, but that was lovely. That for a minute. But I think I think, yeah, I think if you're going to, you know, this kind of coming back to yourself, mm -hmm. coming back to your relationship with your breathing, which I don't think is cheesy at all. I think it's a really beautiful idea. It's maybe coming back to to how we can kind of breathe that life into ourselves again. Yeah, it's a really beautiful thing. Can I just say, this has been one of the most rejuvenating chats I've had in a long time. And obviously, it's all centered around breath, which is fantastic. But your outlook and your way of looking things is just gorgeous. I really enjoyed this. Well, I really enjoyed it, too. Really, really enjoyed it, too. I've been um, like genuinely a little bit of a kind of a like a. I don't know what the right way to put it, like very much like a fan boy, like very kind of like uh, a little bit sort of like, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> because I just think what you do and not just what you do, but how you do it 
is so inspiring, really inspiring, really amazing. So yeah, like a, a, I think that's probably a nice way to, to wrap things. Dave, oh, <laughs> But before before I let you go, um, where can people find out a little bit more about about your about your work? About I know maybe maybe at the moment your plans aren't you know you don't have or maybe you do. Is there any kind of plans for for the next few months or the future? Is there any things going on that people can can tune into? There's there's a hope of returning to Egypt, but everything is kind of dependent on how health is over the next month or so um but you can find out more information my website is is being worked on at the moment so it's clairewalshlife.com and then any i i'm on instagram instagram clairewalshlife that's usually where my day-to-day messing happens absolutely like instagram you know we're all sort of very aware of the ups and downs of instagram and stuff like that but for anyone listening who doesn't follow claire you definitely should because I definitely find that your Instagram account is one of the, yeah, that's that's the, the good, the positive good sides of Instagram is definitely can be found on uh, on the, the the stuff that you share. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, listen, Claire, thank you so much again for taking the time to have this conversation. I hope I will see you soon. I'd love to meet you for one of your your moon full moon swims. Absolutely. <laughs> and and definitely once once Lily, my baby, once she's kind of old enough to. I was I was actually hoping I'd have her in water by now, and um, but obviously the swimming pool's been yeah, closed and yeah. stuff. It's not, it's not um it's not possible just yet. But once she is of an age, I will definitely be sending her your way to to to, to, to teach her some. I oh, can teach her loads of stuff: free diving, uh, puppeteering, singing, singing the whole shaboodle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna send her off to be your little uh, mentor. You <laughs> <laughs> be her mentor even. Super. So listen, thank you again sending you lots of love i hope you enjoy the rest of your day and yeah talk to you soon thanks Emil. so thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this podcast thank you again to claire for taking the time to have this conversation with me I would really recommend giving Claire a follow on Instagram, keeping an eye out for future classes, workshops, events she might host. You would have noticed in this conversation there's a few moments where my memory failed me. And one of those, where we spoke about the concept of not holding on to your concepts of yourself too tightly, the person whose work I'm referring to was Stanley Kellman. In particular, his amazing book, Your Body Speaks Its Mind. And so thank you again for listening, and happy breathing.